You're listening to the Asotukan Sessions by Effective, recorded live in Philly. This is Ilana Shavtai, and I'm sitting with Dr. Nicole Lipkin here at Asotukan Sessions, powered by Effective. Welcome. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. You are joining us after quite the keynote. Yes. Uh, we spoke a lot about mental agility, about yeah. all of the things that we need to think about when yes. we're going through our, our mornings. And we were just talking, right? Before yeah. we came on the podcast, we yeah. were talking about how we have three, we both have three-year-old boys. Yes. And by the time we get to work, it's been like a full Frazzled. day and a half for us. Yes. Maybe a full week. Maybe a Absolutely. full week. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, So tell us, tell us a little bit, just recap a little bit more about the mental agility and help us, help help people like me, please. (laughs) Help me. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You know, again, it's kind of what I said up there. I think mental agility is the most important human skill that we can develop. And I... In our kind of fast-paced world, we're always trying to like get things so quickly, but this is something that, you know, it takes practice and it takes, you know, till the day we die with any skill that we're working on, we're constantly evolving and constantly developing. So mental agility to me is key because it's about our ability to be flexible and open to what's coming at us, but more importantly, flexible and open internally with how we're interpreting information. Because when you can work on that and you can practice that and you start to realize how much more power and control you have in that, it, it really is magic. It's really amazing. It's really amazing how you can just kind of change the conversation with yourself and other people. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about how I'll I'll think back. I really will. I'll be very reflective. I feel like that's taking some mental capacity. But when I'm in the moment, it's like I can't I can't figure it out. I can't I can't stop myself. So I think that's something that a lot of people probably struggle with, um, whether it's in their personal life or at work. You of know. course. But, you know, there was a time in all of our lives where we didn't know how to walk. And there was a time in our lives where we didn't know how to eat or speak. And then after a while, we learned how to walk. And it became second nature. And you actually have to think about it when you're walking to not know how to walk. (laughs) And we know how to eat. And we know how to speak. It's the same thing. It's just like when you practice and you work. When you watch a child work at something, the diligence and the effort and the perseverance at which they work and they keep on messing up, but they eventually get there. It's the same with us, but for some reason as adults, we all of a sudden think it has to happen so quickly now, but this is, it takes time. So being self-reflective is key. It's everything. Yeah. I mean, I love that this also just fits into the Asodukan message and the value here that everyone's talking about, which is like, how do we be, how are we better people? How can we be better people at the dealership? How can we better to consumers, to customers in our family lives? So, um, you know, how do you think about what you spoke about this morning and how that fits into the the message here at Asotocon? It's everything. I mean, the bottom line is that, you know, until the robots take over, we're humans working with humans. So it's about... It's about working on ourselves and working on our teams and working on our cultures, which is not this weird word. It's culture is made up of, it's inspired by people. We're all people. So if we all really do the work that we need to do, I know this sounds all like psychological frou-frou and all of that, but it's not. It's, we are working together with other people and the impact that we have on ourselves and other people is what shapes culture, is what shapes teamwork, it's what shapes the customer experience. Um, and absolutely, you can have all these little gadgets and these amazing things, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the gadgets are not what steal people's hearts. Yep. It's not what makes people loyal. It's not what makes people connected to a product. It's the emotional experience that people have. 
yeah. when they walk into a place or when they're and they're tapping into the experience of buying something. Yeah, and I would say on the you're you're talking about like the dealer to consumer mm-hmm. side, and I'm thinking even from the vendor technology to dealer side, Absolutely. it's the same thing. They're not going to buy a technology or invest in technology without having or see the benefits of without having the proper process in place with the right people absolutely so it's that first no matter what it's that it's people first yeah. and like you know like when you're working with like on the vendor side when you're working with a vendor like you know the difference of when you're being sold to versus when you are forming a relationship yes with and someone. solving a problem i would say and solving a problem right really understanding the the problem and there's different yeah. neurochemicals that are actually released in our brain to form that trust see now this is what i can talk yeah. about neuroscience neuroscience yeah, absolutely i mean the oxytocin releases when yeah. you have trust for someone like this and this is like so foundational into you know who we are as humans and who we trust and who we don't trust so it's you know at the end of the day it's like if we work on how we show up and how we impact ourselves and other people the power can be so profound it's just we often forget it and we assume it's everything else or everyone else around us um so yeah interesting um you gave a few examples today i would love if you would uh, summarize for us the study of the cookies. Oh, the cookie the study. The yeah. cookie study. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. I loved yeah, it. I love that study too. And I had to remind myself. One. It's a good study. Yeah, it's just saying that like, you know, when we have to, when we have to show up in a way that's different from how we actually want to show up, when, we, when we're forced to change and be different, it saps our mental capacity and we get depleted. And when you know, what does not sap us is when we have habits and routine in our lives where we don't have to think, where we don't have to, it's just, it's who we are, how we are. So, you know, what time we wake up, what we eat, when we work out, all of these things that can be routinized. And that's also probably very uh, connected to the types of neurons that are being released. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, is like when we don't have to, when we don't have to put our mental capacity into these like kind of very... These things where we shouldn't be wasting our time figuring it out. Right. Like what the time habitual. we go to the habitual stuff. Not, yeah. And it's not for everything. Well, when we don't sap that, when we don't deplete. Okay. When we routinize things, we save room for creative, creativity, innovation, like thinking in different ways. We can, we can be more agile. When we have to make decisions about every single thing, like what time we wake up, what, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, all of that, we sap our mental energy. And that makes us less able to maneuver in our brains and less able to be agile. I think one of the things that's really interesting, and this is going to sound horribly sexist, but I'm going to say it. Um, Men seem to wear the same, you know, unless they're very fashion oriented, seem to wear the same things (laughs) all the time. They are not sapping their mental energy on what to wear. And again, I'm making a very big stereotype. With women, like when we are choosing our outfits and all of that. It's draining, man. It is so (laughs) draining. draining. And I don't understand why we're putting ourselves a a foot down. Yep. And like, again, like what I said, when I said on stage, if you look at some of our most successful leaders of time, like they, they, they're not, they have uniforms. If you looked at doctors and nurses, they have scrubs for a reason. Yeah. Because who wants mental energy depleted on what you're wearing? So you know, finding a uniform, again, I'm putting quotes around yeah. that, figuring out like things that look good and buying a bunch of it. And if you're fashion oriented, great, pick it out the night before when you're already depleted. There's just yeah. so much we can do that's so simple to create space in our brains to be more agile. Yeah. I mean, and that's also, again, just 
I'm constantly going back to the marketing technology because that's where I'm coming from. But the idea that automation and and machine learning comes into play at the dealership or in any business, not to take over and not to replace humans, but to allow for humans to be more effective, more productive, more efficient, so that they can focus on strategy and they're no longer being sapped. I like that. I'm taking that. Right. Sapped by oh, let me, you know, manually pull this and upload this and there's, there's, and, you know, merge these duplicates and it, there's yeah. no reason for humans to focus on that. No. Their brains should go to strategy, high and level. creative things. Goal creative, creativity, exactly. Exactly. It's like yeah. save your mental space for like the creative things. And like, yes. this is also important for people so that run. I love that it, yeah. there's that parallel to also just how we live our lives. And we need to think about it yeah. for those that lead teams. Yes, that's a really important thing 1, because you also have to help other people and like figure out when people are going to be the most creative and most innovative or when you need to get people to move or shift their thinking. Yeah. Don't wait till three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because when I first became a manager, um, one of the hardest things for me, and I remember speaking to my manager at the time, was um, I was managing two people and one of them was I don't remember exactly what it was that they were mm-hmm. having trouble with. They were really good writers, and for example, and not great at tracking and at the operational level. Right. And I was pushing for them to get better at that. And I remember my manager at the time was, was like, that's not the way to manage. If you have someone who has their strength in something and their weakness in something else, don't push them on their weakness. Push them on their strength and find a solution for the weakness because that's the way that you can amplify your team. And it was yep. one of the best... Uh, pieces of advice I got from my manager at the time and and that's how I run my teams now and I think it's It's a great piece of advice yeah but I'm going to say something that's very controversial oh please devil's advocate (laughs) something else completely yes so it's interesting because I think our um I I I think the whole positive psych movement and the whole strength-based leadership thing was a great thing but we took it too far okay meaning like you have to be happy all the time and you have to only focus on your strength so here's the deal yes I'm not sure if yes and I think that like, yeah, making sure you figure out where your people's strengths are, but I also think challenging people with their weaknesses because yeah. the thing is, if I'm a weightlifter and I have a really strong right bicep or it, like, it, and, and, and I, I'm going to naturally favor that right bicep right. when I pick up groceries or move things. So I'm always going to be working it naturally. But eventually, if I'm favoring that, I'm going to tweak my neck and my back because yeah, I've been ignoring absolutely. my left. So when we ignore our weaknesses, it becomes an Achilles heel. Like I'm a really compassionate, empathetic person, but I'm also highly, highly impatient. When I'm impatient towards someone, they're not going to remember I'm compassionate and empathetic. They're going to remember I'm being a complete jerk and I'm being impatient. So I really, I love the idea of focusing on people's strengths. And then I love the idea of really challenging people to own their weaknesses. And when you're talking about creating psychological safety on a team, like, everyone understanding like hey this is what I'm working on so we can call each other out on it because the more we're able to call each other and help each other out with the weaknesses the less it becomes an Achilles heel and the more it starts moving toward being more of a strength than it might have been in the past so I'm a fan of that 
So you're a fan of, so talk to me a little bit more about that because now I'm going to change my perspective. How am I going to manage that? Okay, so you're, I under, I, and I like this. I think yeah. it's important to, to challenge and to have high expectations and to, to make sure that we're always focusing on uh, you know, um, improving our weaknesses. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, you don't want to deplete the mental energy. So yes. what is that balance? Uh, I know you, you, you talked a little bit about it, but is it really, okay, give them what they need to feel strong and then work as a team to help them with the weaknesses, is it fo- actually focusing one on one? I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's a little of everything. I mean, when you have strong psychological safety in a team environment, yeah. it's not just about you as a manager. It's about right. the team. It's about the collective supporting one another and calling each other out on it. I I'm a big fan when there is safety there mm-hmm. of everyone understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses and helping to support and yeah. call each other out. I'm a fan of that, but I also think it becomes. So a lot of people aren't aware of their weaknesses. So I think that yeah. one-on-one and like identifying it and also as a leader being vulnerable yeah. with your own so it's not feeling so like, oh, I'm the only one that has a problem. Like being right. vulnerable, like this right. is what I'm working on. I want you to help me and call me out on it. Yeah, I want to help you and call you out on it. How can we help each other? I that think sounds like a very healthy environment. It's very yeah. healthy. It's very healthy. I think, you know, I always go back to this one story of one of my colleagues who I work very closely with. She has... She's not good with detail orientation. So she won't catch typos or formatting mm-hmm. things or things like that. And I, I do catch that. It would have been a very easy out to be like, okay, you just do that and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit everything for you yeah. and all that. And that was tempting. That was tempting because it's annoying. Yeah. But instead, we had a really long conversation about it, about how instead it can be called out and how instead she can kind of adapt to that and learn how to improve it. It's just yeah. like a very small thing or the things that she can do before it comes to me. Like there's very small things, but it's been a, it's been a game changer for her because I'm not the only one seeing that work product. Right, but then it's like the, you, you have to push, but you also have to be aware of that mental agility and make sure there's space for the creativity which totally. is totally it's very tough it's a two-way street it's a two-way, it's a two-way street. street it's not yeah. always i also think we put a lot on leaders and managers yeah. it is a two-way street yeah all right well we spoke about <laughs> we you changed my not mind three times during this podcast so <laughs> yay <laughs> yes uh we spoke a lot we spoke about everything from our mental energy to how we work teams to how it relates to automotive in and out yeah. our personal lives our work lives thank you so much for thank all you. of your expertise as usual and you did an amazing job thank for those you. of you who missed the keynote you should definitely tune in and uh you, you know look at dr uh nicole lipkin's research and work it's really incredible thank you Thanks for joining thank you so much thank you for listening to this asotu session by effective if you want more content like this you can check out our other podcasts we have a daily show called the the automotive troublemaker monday through friday here on podcasts also live streamed on youtube and linkedin and facebook we also have a long-form podcast called auto collabs auto collabs and if you just want to go a little deeper into this community you should sign up for our regular email we put our heart and soul into it you can get it for free by going to asotu.com we'll see you next time